2: And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at slash papertarian.
3: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing chumba casino. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM as we welcome you in on this Friday, February 17th. Of course, he's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. We say good morning, good afternoon. I this is something I just saw. I have to bring this up with you, my man. M. Lombardi NFL. <laughs> this is now, I don't know if you were trying to cause drama, but let's get it going. Quote Michael Lombardi, if you're honest with yourself, the Bengals could the, could make the case for already being a two time Super Bowl champ had they managed games differently. So Kansas City just threw the parade, but you're saying, hold on now, Cincinnati could have been there. What, what do you mean by that?
4: Well, I mean, look, they punt the ball down the middle of the field at the end of the game. I mean, they had Mahomes the last two times they played Mahomes in Kansas City. In, in the fourth quarter of that game, remember I talked about that injury that I said Mahomes had? And mm-hmm. talking to some people, he was affected in the fourth quarter. I'm not blaming anybody, but he was affected, and that's why he had a disastrous fourth quarter. They could have they, they they won that game, they go to the Super Bowl, they don't get the false start, they don't have mixing in the game on third and one. That game might get to overtime. Couple here and there. So small, right? Then this year, they have Mahomes wounded, completely wounded. And they have an opportunity. They punt the ball down the middle of the field. The longest return until the Super Bowl of 29 yards by Moore. And the penalty, and they lose that game. That game goes to overtime. They're going to get in it. And look, if if Mahomes on one leg threw the ball as effectively as they did in that game, Burrow, what would Burrow have done? So my point of the column is, is look. You know, just because Burrow's gonna get a big deal doesn't mean the Bengals are going away. Bengals have a good team. They have a good defensive coordinator, and they've kept everybody intact. I think they're a lovely play for next year, assuming they can stay healthy.
3: Well, taking a look at the futures market right now, there are four teams. The Chiefs at six to one, the Bills at seven to one, the Niners at eight to one, and the Eagles at nine to one. Four teams ahead of the Bengals in the futures market for next year. The Bengals are sitting at ten to one. After that, the Cowboys 14-1. to 1. I think the more interesting question is, what prompted that thought today? What, what what were you thinking about that made you think about the Bengals?
4: I was thinking about how it was so, you know, going through watching that Super Bowl tape, I was thinking about how Lou Hamaromo doesn't get the job, you know, and then Gannon does. And it kind of propelled me. And then I went back and I watched them. And look, go back and watch that Buffalo tape. They got The Bengals dominated Buffalo in Buffalo. You could say, well, it was the field. No, 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 no. They were dominated there with a bad offensive line. They got dominated in that game. I mean, the Bengals quietly were playing at a high level, and unfortunately they made some tactical mistakes like they seem to always make. You know, they they go ahead and give away the ball, punt it down the middle of the field. They make mistakes. You know, they have a false start. That wasn't their fault. That gets called. Then a penalty. You know, that game's going to go to overtime, Patrick.
3: The I just, it's interesting. And you're, we're going to show you a graphic here. The early handle so far agrees with you, Michael, because right now, the most heavily bet team as far as handle and ticket percentage, the Bengals in the futures market. So you're not the only one. I'm I, glad that you, t- I, I'm glad you tweeted because it, it, it raised my uh, attention as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, I wrote that column. I was thinking about that on the flight home from Vegas. I was like, what am I going to write about this week? And I wanted to write about something that pr- propels us into the next season. And I really feel like, you know, all these, these, you know, Josh Allen conversation and all, you know, Burrow's going to get a f- big contract. Yeah, he'll get a big, Mike Brown will pay him, but there'll be enough cap room and they have a nucleus of a young team. And then I was thinking about Amaromo's ability to craft the team. So when you work for Mike Brown, the Paul Brown uh, family, you, the coaches have a lot of say in what they do because they operate as if they're a college team. So the coaches are involved in the draft. Mike Brown makes the final decision. I'm sure Katie Blackburn Brown, her husband, uh, 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 he also is involved and, and built, uh, Duke Tobin's involved. Everybody's involved, but my point here is that defense is exactly what Lou Amaromo wanted. That's he built it. That's what he wanted. It wasn't like he got forced to take those guys, and they were very effective.
3: Yep, and that's the writing spotlight. We'll we'll get to that in just a little bit. The the tweet kind of intrigued me to start the show. There's plenty to do. You mentioned Gannon, so let's do that, Elliot. Let's go ahead. We've got some sound from Gannon's introductory conference there yesterday as the new head coach. We've got plenty to come here. Lamar Jackson. Eric Bieniemy, Rex Ryan, Justin Fields. There's a ton of rumors, but let's start here. You know, if you believe what Flores's people said, and um, there's no reason not to, Flores was offered the Cardinals job. So Gannon gets this job after the Super Bowl. He stays in Phoenix, Bidwell interviews him, boom, he's there. Uh, so Gannon, the second choice at least, and here's what Gannon had to say about taking that job with the Cards. So uh, look forward to working with the players That was very appealing to me. Some of the guys that we have on board right now, not too many times do you take over a a team and you have a franchise quarterback. So that was very appealing. And I'll head some of this stuff off right now as we talk before we get to questions and things like that. But just know this, we're going to be very adaptable. This is, I'm talking the Arizona Cardinals. This is what our team's going to be. We're going to be adaptable, we're going to be violent, we're going to be explosive, and we're going to be smart. And all three phases go into that, and we will maximize the talents of the players that we have, and that's how we're going to win games. And don't get it twisted. We're going to win games. That's good. Super, super. Violent is a super cheesy thing to say, but that's what coaches say these days. But what do you think about Gannon talking about his little mission statement there?
4: Well, I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't see the franchise quarterback. I think everything else he said is on point. I mean, I would agree with everything he said. I mean, that's exactly what you want. You want to be that that kind of – he described the kind of team he wants to build. Now, my next question would be, do you have a grading system to build that team? Because you're going to need one. They don't have one in Arizona. Just look at their team the way Kime ran it. There was no grading system there. So, let's put that in perspective. So, you know, to me, is my disconnect is, and he's got to say it, he can't not say it, is the fact that, you know, that they, they, I don't see them having a franchise quarterback. I just don't, but maybe
3: he does. Well, Mr. Bidwell agrees with Gannon. Of course, the owner of the Cardinals says, happy to have Gannon, and they do have a franchise quarterback. His plan he outlined, some of which he'll get in today, some of which we're not going to get into, uh, but I'm excited about it. It's the view that he had of our elite quarterback and getting him back to being the playmaker that he is and making sure we build around him and put our players in positions, uh, especially Kyler as our quarterback, uh, to really get after it. And I was excited about what his plan is and, and how he outlined it. See, Kyler is omnipresent. See, what they did by letting Kyler win that battle, Michael Lombardi, and you know this, you talked about it extensively, is now Kyler is omnipresent. Everything the organization talks about, everything the organization does, he always has to be included because he's the elephant in the room. It's an issue.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I had this happen to me in Cleveland when Art Modell said there's nobody more important to the Cleveland Browns than Bernie Kosar. And when the owner makes that statement, what does everybody else feel like? And especially when... You know, it's one thing for Robert Kraft to say that about Tom Brady or the Glazer's family to say that or Dandy Reed and Clark Hunt say that about Patrick Mahomes, but you're saying this about a guy that's really not well-liked. I mean, you know, he's not exactly oh, f- warm and fuzzy. I mean, so they're just doubling down on it and and oftentimes that happens. I mean, this is the false reality. You just don't you don't want to admit you made a mistake. They see they see an elite player I see a guy that if you pressure him in the pocket, keep him in, make him play quarterback, he plays small.
3: We'll see who's right. The irony that Cliff Kingsbury's thought of as an offensive mastermind, a quarterback guru they said in the clip there. Bidwill said in the clip that we're bringing in a defensive guy to fix the quarterback position, which is, or maybe he's got a plan as far as who his assistants are going to be to fix it. But they're letting go of Kingsbury to bring in a defensive-minded guy to fix Kyler Murray. Everything's backwards in Arizona right now.
4: Well, I mean, look, they got it, you know, and then they had a good defensive coordinator. I mean, Vance Joseph is in demand now. They let him out of his contract. I would assume he's probably going to come to Philadelphia uh as an opportunity whether mm. he goes to Denver goes back to Denver I haven't been the head coach that's a little awkward even though it's new ownership in the building but you know I mean I didn't think that they played poorly in Arizona I didn't think their talent level was great uh, offensively so I'm talking about
3: no no totally the, so the rumor is Vance Joseph to the Eagles I, that's interesting
4: I think that's uh, that's I, I I would suspect that to be the case yeah I, I think You know, I'm sure they're going to have to work through the process. It was easy to transition from their quarterback coach to the to the offensive coordinator because he was a minority, Brian Johnson, and then they could just move him up without having to follow the Rooney rule. You don't have to go through the Rooney rule if you do that.
3: I think the most important thing here for Gannon will be his offensive side of the football, his hires. Do we know anything about who Gannon has lined up for his assistants to help Murray there?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of conversation about a, a, an offensive assistant in Cleveland if they let him out. Drew Drisnick, I believe his name is, and and he is the number one guy on his list to get in there as an offensive the whale coach. And so, <laughs>
3: Isn't that the whale capper's Drew, name? They're going to hire the whale Drew, capper?
4: <laughs> no, I I don't. I said, I, I got hold on, Patrick. Hold on here. I got it here. <laughs> no, it's okay. I had the it's wrong. Okay. I had the Maybe wrong... Gil will be the wide receiver's coach. Could be. I'm listening. Could be the case. I'm listening. All right, hold on. I got it right
3: here for you. Drew, Drew Terrell no? is what Elliot said. Drew Terrell.
4: I had the wrong name on. Yeah, Drew. Thank you, Elliot. How'd you get that so fast? So good. <laughs> anyway, Google. so Google. Yeah, Google. So I think that's kind of where he's leaning. No, I'm sorry. It's not. Drew Petzick is his name. Drew Petzick. He's the quarterback <laughs> <laughs> coach. You know what? It was a mixture Cleveland.
3: of all the names. We knew we were going to yeah. get there eventually. Drew so that's the, that's the hot name. The name. Okay. Yeah. That's
4: the hot name. He's the quarterback coach. Now Cleveland's got to let him go to get out there to see if he'll do it. But that's the name.
3: <laughs> we got there. And he is going to be tasked with working with Kyler Murray. So we wish him the best of luck. I'm sure you if saw he, the video. If, if
4: they let him out and all that. I mean, there's, there's a lot to go through in all this.
3: <laughs> sure. The video of Gannon when he was kind of walking through the facility and Kyler Murray happened to be working out and Gannon, they said, oh, he's in the, in the weight room. So Gannon, like hurriedly went over to the weight room. They did an awkward hug thing where obviously they had never met once in their life. And they both said, let's go win some effing games. And it was just like, oh, Gannon, Jonathan, you have no clue what you're getting yourself into. That's that's apparent coming back. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is Listening to the Lombardi line
4: on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, now that the football season is done, if you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, VSIN experts have you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99 right now. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap. Of the top plays made by VCN show hosts and guests, you get tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, which are very comprehensive. VCN betting guides for our biggest games of the season, where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and daily props. Again, everything's there and it's for $9.99 right now. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. Michael Lombardi there, I'm Patrick Maher. Hope you're having a nice Friday. As we head into, I guess, officially the first weekend with no football. Now, we had the little respite in between, but when you've got the Super Bowl on the horizon, you still feel like there's something there. So, this will be our proper first weekend without football, which is a little melancholy, Michael Lombardi. I, I hope maybe we can do a little bit of an impromptu step into my office, and uh, I'm going to bring up Eric Biennemi. So you put on your your GM and front office hat, and maybe you were to counsel Eric Bieniemy. So obviously he needs to get out from Andy Reid shadow. We get that he's going to leave Kelsey, he's going to leave Mahomes, he's going to leave a team that's won two Super Bowl in four years. Why would he go to Washington? No, I'm going to let you run with this. He has Sam Howell, who has one start. He has an offensive line which is is a disaster, and he has a lame duck head coach in Ron Rivera. It just seems like an odd place to go when you're going to be calling plays officially out of Reed's shadow.
4: Well, he needs to get out of it. It's a huge – he's Puxatani Phil. He's in that shadow the whole time, you know, with Andy. And so if you want to make your mark – look, you've been in front of uh, – Eric, you've been in front of 12 owners, right? You've had your opportunity. Something's missing in the interview. I think you need to figure it out. And I think, obviously, I would spend time trying to help you in the interview process, how to handle it. But more than that, I think you have, when you have an opportunity to, to create your own palette, to paint your own picture, you've got to take advantage of it. You know, one of the things, this same situation happened. Steve Spagnola was at the Eagles when the Eagles were very successful. And he was a linebacker coach, and he went up to the Giants, And everybody thought the Giants were going to get fired. He went up there, and they went to the Super Bowl that year. You know, it was Coughlin's year. They went to the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl. That's how he got the Ram job. So, you know, what looks like a dead-end job could be a great job if you know what you're doing and you can manage it. I mean, when Brian Dayball took the Giants job, nobody thought that was going to be a good job. So I think there's no doubt that, you know, you got to take this opportunity to go forward. And if you don't, you know, you're constantly going to be in the same spot. You're going to get interviewed. You're going to have a lot of media behind you. But there's something happening in these interviews that the media doesn't know. Or there's something we all don't know that's happening.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be shocking at this point. There's, again, because of the narrative, now Rivera, there's pressure on Rivera to hire BNME, right? Now that he's sitting well, down and talking think, to him. Uh,
4: look, I, I think to me, you know, before you... Talk to Biennium, you had to know you were going to hire him because right, you're not sending right, Biennium right. away. I mean, one thing to send Biennium away and get a head coach, not for a head coaching job. So another thing to bring him in and then not hire him is the OC. Now you're going to handle, and, and I'm not saying that Rivera's right, or I'm, I'm just saying to me, if you go down that road, you better go all the way down the road. You better have done yeah. your homework to where unless Bienemi comes in and just doesn't you know, just completely blows the interview. You're going to have, you're hiring him because you, you you've created the media sensation here. I don't think he's going back to Kansas City. I don't think he's going to listen to Washington and come back to Kansas City. I don't think that's an option. I think he's gone from Kansas City.
3: Let me ask you this, Michael. What was the benefit of Ron Rivera walking around Radio Row right next to us and telling everybody? that Sam Howell was going to be the starter unless beaten out in camp. Like, why would you trade away or give away any type of leverage you have going into the draft into this offseason where you could make a move at quarterback?
4: Well, first of all, I didn't understand what he was doing on Radio Row. You know, my when I saw Sean Payton at the, at the, at the uh, Radio Row, I'm like, God, Sean's pretty busy. He's got a bunch of things he needs to do. And then sure. I realized he has a contract with Fox that he wanted to probably fulfill all the way through the end. I got that, right? I get that. You know, and it's kind of a moratorium. But why Rahm was there, when you've got free agency, the college draft, like you really want to spend a day flying to Arizona, a day flying back to Washington? You don't have other things to do? I mean, I, I sent a head coach a text asking him if he was there, and he was like, what are you, kidding me? You know, I got I got free agency. I got offensive personnel. I got all this stuff to do. You know, and I, I, I don't get that at all. Like, but. But one of the things I was saying this to somebody today on the phone this morning, I mean, you know, Rivera hasn't had a winning season in five years. And there's never any anybody says that, you know, he's not doing a great job. I mean, that's why
3: he's there. He's very good at schmoozing the room. He is. That's why he was politicking. He was polit- The reason he was there, you just nailed it. He was politicking, keeping his face in front of everybody, keeping his media presence stable. And by the way, right before he got to Phoenix, you know where he was? He was playing in the Pro-Am up at Pebble. So this offseason, without an offensive coordinator and a team that didn't make the postseason, he's playing golf and headed to media row. It's just an odd look for Rivera. I mean, it's not an odd look. It's a horrendous look for me. I mean, if Al
4: Davis were alive, and he was, that would never have happened. I mean, I don't know how that happens. I mean... To me, the offseason, when you've had the year that they've had, what can you? There's nothing left. I mean, you've got to you working harder than you've ever worked before. You're watching well, more tape. I mean, you got reports to write. You got all these things to do. Like I don't understand it, but you know, I mean, he thinks he's got it under control. So God
3: bless him. And to your point about Al Davis, whatever you think of Al Davis, there was some sturdy ownership. You knew who the owner was of the Raiders right now. Ron Rivera, it's a bit of a YOLO situation. Go play golf, go to media row, because nobody's going to keep him accountable because of the Snyder mess. So he can do whatever yeah, he there, wants. He's got autonomy But Patrick, you've got
4: to be accountable yourself. Like, there's no I totally way agree. I would. I mean, I would never. Like, if I, if I were Ron Rivera, I don't think I, I would be sleeping in my office. I, don't, I would never leave. I mean, I'm going to work harder than I've ever worked. This is do or die. But let's not forget hey. now. We, we criticize players for getting a big contract and kind of coasting. But sometimes it happens in coaching, too. Sometimes it happens in coaching. And in, in my book, I would talk about my second stint is killing my first stint, you know, where a guy goes and takes mm-hmm. another job after he's had a successful career, and then the second stint isn't very good. And I think so, and I think some of that is there's not enough urgency. There's not that I got to show people I know what I'm doing. I There's more of a, I got it. I got it. I got it. I mean, you know, like Scott Turner was the only thing wrong with that program? You mean every other Stop. coach on the staff was brilliant?
3: No. Look, great guy, good with people, beat cancer, mediocre football coach. Those are facts. I mean, like, Just that, look up that, the numbers.
4: Well, I think what you said right there, great guy is exactly what, what – ha- that's where – Everything starts. It's when, you, you, when, you get, when you're easy to get along with, then you, you're going to get things done. You, know, become, you become more pliable. You become more attractive.
3: Yep, pliability is a good way of putting it. Now, maybe not the easiest guy to get along with. However, you just mentioned first and second stint. Fascinating what's going on with Brian Flores, who is going to be aggressive there in Minnesota. He said, I'm aggressive by nature. He looks to turn Minnesota's defense around. But I love his plan here. He's going to get another shot, Michael. He could have taken the Cardinals job. Why would you jump at an opportunity just because it's available? you got to have the right fit in life, and I I love what Flores did here.
4: I did too. And and look, if he – his case would be stronger against the NFL if he didn't admit he got offered that job, right? Interesting. By him admitting that he got offered that job, that doesn't really make his case – you know, so – He's just being brutally honest and he's not being he's not being political here. And I think he's smart. He's a young coach. He's going to go to a really good situation. He's got a team that was a playoff team that if he improves defensively, can take a giant step forward. You know, look, there. how many games did they win? You know, he's got a nucleus there. He'll do a wonderful job there. I think he helped Pittsburgh out tremendously. I really do.
3: Yeah. It's interesting. It's almost like, was he playing the PR game or not? Because if by saying you got offered a head coaching job in this cycle, next cycle, maybe people would view you with a little bit more anticipation. It, it, what's, what's fascinating is he's going to coach under a coach that maybe doesn't have the resume or certainly didn't have the resume when he got the Minnesota job in O'Connell, right? Because everybody came off that McVay tree and got jobs, including Lafleur, who ran a terrible offense in Tennessee before he got one of the great jobs in the history of yep. sport, the Green Bay Pecker head coach.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, look, he's, you know, he's in perfect situation here. I mean, you know, he's going to go in there and he can run his team and he, and he can wait like saying no isn't the worst thing to do.
3: Sometimes it's very valuable, 100%. Yeah, the Rivera stuff, I, I, I was interested to talk to you about that because it, it fascinated me. It's like you're the only head coach up, up at Pebble at the Pro-Am. Yes, I know you have a house there, but you've got a, a team to run, and then you take a flight from California to Phoenix to walk around and talk to pro football talk. Like, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't adding up. You've got a team that finished 8-8-1 eight and, eight, eight, eight and one last year with a rookie quarterback and no offensive coordinator. Anyway, do you run Rivera now? You mentioned Sean Payton. Does he have a defensive coordinator? There's an interesting name in the mix. We'll come back and discuss it. Plus, I mentioned Lamar Jackson. Is he involved in the O.C. decision there for uh, the Baltimore Ravens? We'll get to that next here on the Lombardi Line.
0: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick
3: Maher okay betting splits pro tools vs pros it's all there vsin.com subscribe go to vsin.com you can check out our betting splits the latest betting splits on every game find out which games are seeing the most tickets written odds data analysis for every game there's a lot of conversation about betting splits how to use them if they're effective they certainly are you're going to curtail them to your handicapping style so make sure you check them out they're updated every 10 minutes from draftkings vsin.com Slash subscribe to sign up right now for nine ninety nine. I would say that's probably with the space getting completely overly inundated as we welcome you back, Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi Line. It's Vsin the Sports Betting Network. We talked about it a little bit with Mike Palm yesterday uh, during the break. Where the space is just completely overly inundated. When you have an over inundation, you have over information, Michael Lombardi, and sometimes it gets saturated. And so, especially with social media, that proliferation where all of a sudden things start to get mixed. I know that's why it frustrates you, somebody that actually sat in a front office. You watch people try to run teams through Twitter. Um, but, for example, betting splits are they know. constantly they debated. Know. They know. Of course they know. And I, what I would say is be autonomous with the information. Like, you use the betting splits to your advantage. Don't worry about what other people are telling you about betting splits. You can use the betting splits as a part of your pro tool and arsenal to become a better handicapper. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. Anything, any follow-up on that, my man?
4: No, I think betting splits are really important, and I think you have to understand it, especially, you know, now that we're in the basketball, the Ken Palm season and the NBA, there's not a lot of future liability on some of those, those betting splits. So they actually mean more than they have in the past. Whereas in the Super Bowl, you know, the betting splits were tilted. The lines were tilted to help, like Mike Palm talked about yesterday, to get more money on the other side. They had liability on... On Philadelphia. So, you know, you got to play all that in. It isn't just sharp money or somebody who's sitting in their basement in Des Moines figuring things
3: out. Yep. 100%. So, make sure you check out the betting splits. So, let's discuss uh, – this one uh, has been rumored for a few days now, but it looks like Sean Payton and the Broncos could be getting freaky. Yeah, Rex Ryan. So, Rex Ryan, who's been a studio analyst for ESPN since 2017 – Wants to get back in the game and maybe nope. he'll join Sean Payton there as a DC. I what think he hearing? only
4: wants to I think he only wants to get back in the game if the salary's right. It's all about money. And so if Sean's you know, the the going rate for some of these coordinators now has really gone up. And it's above three million a year. Uh I mean Vic Fangio and 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 uh, Dan Quinn, they're all in the fours per year. I mean, this is what Jerry Jones is complaining about. He's saying the coaches' salaries are going up. Well, Jerry, so so are the revenues going up. And let me say this. Todd Monkton took the offensive coordinator job at at Baltimore. He's going to make over $3 million a year. Georgia would have matched it. He just made a decision to go to to Baltimore because he wanted to work in the NFL. Georgia was fully prepared to match the salary. So when Jerry's talking like that, like the, the landscape of, of coaching has dramatically changed where these salaries have gone up. And Rex is sitting there on, on that set saying, you know, uh, maybe it's time for me to get back in. These salaries are almost head coaching like when, when I was a head coach. So if Sean's going to pay him that, you know, then I think he'll get back in. Now this will be a transition because, you know, you just don't take five years and come right back in and think, oh, I got it.
3: Is there, I don't know if you know if there's a relationship with Ryan and Peyton. I'm sure there is. You know, like we always talk about, it's a smaller network than people would imagine. Uh, And do you think there is interest on Peyton's side? Rob Ryan, Rex's brother, was Sean's defensive
4: coordinator in New Orleans for many years. And he fired him. You know, and so that, that, obviously, that happens. Rob's now at the Raiders. But, so, I mean, I don't know what that would mean. But, you know, Sean hasn't hired any defensive coaches, so it would give Rex a chance to hire some of the guys he wants to be with them. Mike Pettin being one of them. Mike Pettin's out of football right now. So it'll be interesting how this all plays out. That's the thing about Biennemi. In our conversation in the last block, we didn't talk about it, But Biennemi, he's going to take – if he takes – all the Washington staff is intact. I mean, Ken Zampisi, John Matsko, Juan Castillo, all those guys are there. Now, they're all West Coast offense guys, so it won't be that hard for enemy, but he'll have none of his coaches. And if I were enemy, I'd say, hey, i got to have somebody with me that I know that will help me.
3: I'm glad you brought that up. That's my point about enemy. I can't imagine a worse landing spot. I totally understand your point about finally getting out, taking an opportunity, showing what your value is, but you don't know what you have with Howell. You definitely don't know what you have at head coach, and you're going to inherit – Zampese and the rest of the coaching staff to to assist you. I just don't, again, I, I it's think very it's he's eager to get away very challenging. from Kansas City. It's very but, challenging, though. You
4: know, but, you know, the, sometimes people see that as an opportunity, and, and he's got to look at it that way. And, and I'm sure that, and they're going to pay him well. They're going to pay him well. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, why, that's why what Brian Flores did, you know, he turned down that job I mean, they're paying these coaches now, first-time head coaches. They're paying huge money. I mean, lifetime money. I mean, Shane Steichen will never have to work again, based on what he got at in Indianapolis. I mean, so th- this is—we're talking about long—we're talking about long-term wealth here.
3: No conflict there in Denver with Rex Ryan and Sean Payton as far as Sean Payton. He's, he's not looking over his shoulder, obviously. I mean, Rex Ryan no. has a reputation, but Sean Payton's the guy there. He, he wouldn't be concerned about any type of personality clash. Look,
4: if Rex gets the right offer based on the market value of the guys that have been defensive coordinators in the league, the Vic Fangios, because Rex can make the argument, I'm as good as Fangio, I'm as good as Quinn. I'm as good as Martindale. I'm as good as any of these guys. What's Vance Joseph get, right? What's he going to get? You know, that that contract in Philadelphia, what's that? What's the market value? The market on coordinators have now been reset. And so, you know, if he gets that market value, he's going to get it. I mean, I don't know what Ebro got in Carolina, but I'm sure he got paid a lot of money. I'm sure Steve Wilkes got paid really well in San Francisco. That's the going rate.
3: It should be interesting. We'll see what happens with the defensive coordinator position there. Sean Payton and Rex Ryan, that's the rumor. You know, now, the other thing I March... think that's
4: important yeah. to note, we're throwing these numbers around for fans. That's a lot of money, right? But when you think of it, when the cap's at $220 million, right, and you're in charge of one half of the unit that is responsible for that cap, you're, so let's say you're in charge of a $100 million part of the team, You should get paid that kind of number.
3: Listen, 115 million people watch the Super Bowl. Uh, Maybe you're going to get 7 to 8 million watching NBA championship. I don't think there's no context for the NFL and the beast that it is. If you tell me that offensive coordinators make 10 million, I'd say fine. That seems right.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, it just it is. As the television revenue goes up, longevity of the careers of the coaches go down, but the
3: salaries go way up. And they should. That's the market. We live in a capitalistic society, my man. How about Lamar Jackson and the rumors? Ravens, they didn't, quote, fully integrate Lamar Jackson in the hiring process of the new OC. We're going to talk to Jordan Schultz in the next hour, but he says the candidates who interviewed with the Ravens were not given full assurances that Lamar Jackson will be the quarterback next season. What are you hearing about what's taking place in Baltimore?
4: I I was told that that. And I don't know, this is kind of just hearsay through the coaching grounds, but I heard that John and Lamar had a meeting. John actually showed Lamar the candidates he was talking to. Lamar looked at the list and spent about a second and said, I'm good with whatever you got. And that was the end of the meeting. And I think there's a lot of mixed signals going on here in terms of, I think you have to understand the organization before you get it. Harbaugh's going to say what he has to say. But the organization is a organization that's built on what's the return on the investment. And if somebody is willing to go in there and pay what Russell Wilson got or with all these other deals, I think Baltimore will listen. I'm not saying they're going to make a trade, but I think Baltimore will listen. And I think that's what they should do is listen, because there's nobody who's not the value isn't that if somebody's willing to pay, overpay for something they can have it i mean all these guys that have made billions of dollars that own nfl teams they've made their lives buying companies and selling them because they've made a, because of the value has gone way up it's the same thing if somebody's willing to come in and give a huge deal to lamar i would have no doubt that baltimore would contemplate it for a while and then figure out their next move John's not going to say that because, John, you know, where are we going to play quarterback? That's why, you know, to me, hiring Munkin, I mean, never really didn't make sense. I mean, I, I didn't understand that. I, I don't know why Todd left Georgia. That's a hell of a job to get onto this kind of uh, roadmap here. But he did. And, you know, it's going to have to be conducive to it.
3: I I, I don't I don't know if that's all perfectly aligned. Could you even take a guess, a stab at what the market would return for Lamar Jackson? Well, I mean,
4: look, it would have to be the the floor would be Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. There it is. There's the market.
3: I mean, there it is. 25 year old MVP. Yeah, it's been established.
4: It's what it is. You might have to kick some. I mean, you move some pieces around, but the structure of the deals in place.
3: How about another quarterback potentially on the move, Justin Fields? Uh, that's a question that we're going to have to take a look at, plus the riding spotlight with Mike. Michael-
0: at bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
2: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
3: You're listening to the Lombardi Line
4: on VCN. Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, BetMGM, of course, the king of sportsbooks. Oh, you can refer a friend. This is great. You get 50 bucks, they get 50 bucks. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to BetMGM.com. You're going to look for the refer a friend link. You click it. You send a friend a message. It's so simple. Once they sign up, they get 50 bucks. You get 50 bucks. Everybody's happy. So check out BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, refer a friend program right now. Remember, you got to be 21 years or older. If you have a problem, it's one 800 gambler go refer a friend over at betmgm betmgm is the sponsor of the lombardi line as we welcome you back here on Vsin, the sports betting network i'm patrick maher of course he is michael lombardi we were just talking about some of the news and notes from the nfl lamar jackson interesting what you said michael but obviously uh, everybody I, I, I jordan, is expendable i think
4: jordan schultz will have more on this too i think it was interesting that they, they didn't hire somebody that you would say, wow, they're going to run Philly's six-back offense, or they went college, which, you know, w- that gives you an idea. Well, maybe they're going to do some read option stuff. But I think to me, it, I, I'm not sure this is just an instinct, but just knowing the way the Baltimore thinks that, you know, Sassy Brown is involved with this team, too, who was in Cleveland. So he's an analytical-based guy. You know, he's the guy that traded the, the pick – to Houston uh to for Deshaun Watson. So maybe they got, you know, some way to find a quarterback. I don't know, but I I would not say Lamar's definitely gone. I just think it's going to be a conversation.
3: Okay. We're going to have Jordan Schultz on coming up in about 45 minutes and he talked about the Ravens situation and candidates who interviewed with the Ravens were not given full assurances that Lamar Jackson will be the quarterback next season. Munkin in Munkin, of course, a longtime assistant in the NFL goes, wins two championships. there, running the offense for Kirby smart down in Georgia. Was that just a matter of wanting, wanting to get back in the league? Yeah,
4: I think that's what it is. I mean, because, you know, like I said earlier, there's no doubt he was, you know, Georgia would have matched the salary. I mean, that, that, that's the thing about college football. There's the College football isn't you're taking a pay cut there. College football is a harder job with the NIL. All those things are harder. However, that being said, it's not a harder job. It, it, it The pay is going to be just really as, as good. So I think there's no doubt that it was just by personal choice.
3: Yeah, especially at Georgia. Down in Athens, the boosters will pick up the, the bill. It's not an issue. So they could have paid Todd Munkin. There's no doubt about that. So... Let's move on to this one. We talked just about one quarterback, young quarterback and Lamar Jackson. Let's talk about Justin Fields. So, of course, the Bears sitting there with the number one overall pick. There are trade rumors flying like crazy. Multiple GMs are, quote-unquote, fairly convinced, Michael, the Bears will deal the quarterback. According to Jason Locke on Forum, multiple NFL general managers came out of the senior bowl fairly convinced Fields will be traded. Would you ship Fields and replace him with a quarterback from this year's draft?
4: You know, I think I, I, I certainly would I, – I, you know, to me, watching the game tape, I would say yes. I didn't have a chance to – I don't watch their practices. But to me, uh, I, I have two concerns. Can he ever become Jalen Hurts in terms of that offense, and can he stay healthy running that offense, right? I mean, he has not been durable in his career, and he takes hits. He's going to take hits. He's going to have to run that offense. Now, what could you get for Fields – I think that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. You know, I don't like his release. I don't like his ability to stay consistent with accuracy. And at the end of the day, you have to throw the ball to win in the NFL. And I think Hertz proved that he's gotten better at throwing the football. Because I think at the end of that game, they were throwing the ball. They made throws. Hertz made throws. So... You know, I would certainly say to myself, I would not rule it out if I were the GM. I wouldn't say for certain I would, but I have a lot of doubts about fields. And if I go down the fields road, if I'm going down that road, I don't know where I end up. Do I end up with a Super Bowl team or do I end up fired? You know, if I go down this hurt fields road that that Ryan Pace drove the car on, am I going to lose my job because I can't get him to play quarterback? The last thing I want to do is three years from now draft another quarterback.
3: What we do know is the Bears have more cap space than anybody. Maybe I, I think it's close to more, double the next team in line as far as well, cap space. I mean that just means they're
4: gonna that just means they're gonna overspend. But you have to be careful. I mean, you can't be like the kid at the candy store or me down at Ward's Bakery, just eat every donut. You got You got to be careful about it, right? You got to be able to think this through, and 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 you want to build something that's cohesive to the quarterback right so that's the biggest issue is like who are we like who are we what are we going to be on offense well we want to be Jonathan Gannon said we want to be multiple okay I get that that's great to say we want to be more what's our core who are we are we a size speed team I don't care whether we're 34 43 that's that's insignificant But who are we and what are the positions that we need most to get that fixed? That's what you have to have answered. That's what a lot of teams don't ask themselves when they walk into the job. See, Shane Steichen comes in Indianapolis. He's got Gus Bradley over there. He's got Bubba Ventrone. He's just trying to figure out what he's doing on offense. Does that mean this is going to work? It could for a year. But that doesn't mean you have full understanding of who you are.
3: The value of fields is a fascinating question. So two years ago, of course, drafted 11th overall in the 21 draft played what 15 started 15 games last year, started 10 games in 21, his rookie season, his completion percentage went up from 58.9 to 60.4. So you look at a couple of the numbers. I know you're not overly impressed by him. I'd be fascinating to see what teams are telling the bears. They'd be willing to give up for fields.
4: Well, see, I think to me the Bears haven't made that phone call. I don't think the Bears have made that call. I don't think the Bears have said, hey, we're going to trade fields because that would get all over. I I think the Bears are evaluating the quarterbacks in the draft, which they should do, comparing those quarterbacks to fields. And then once they feel like, okay, I think C.J. Stroud is way better than fields. I'm making this up. Then I'm going to trade fields. Because, remember, they have the first pick in the draft. So they don't have to con anybody. They don't have to play possum here. They could just say, okay, once we make the decision, here's where we are. Then we're going to go trade them. If we trade Fields, so now, what are we going to get for Fields? What's that value out there? Who liked Fields coming out in the draft? Who wants to go with Fields? All those are fair questions to ask. you know. And, look, when Fields leaves and goes somewhere else, I mean, are you prepared to – Look, he's a dynamically talented athlete, but going to. You, know, you prepared to have an offense that doesn't throw the football? Are you prepared to go there? Mains to be seen.
3: I think, I think exactly what you said at the onset. Teams are asking themselves right now that need a quarterback, could this be the next Jalen Hurts? There were questions. Some of the similar questions that now teams have about Justin Fields and fans have about Fields. Could Fields turn into a Hurts? That's the question.
4: Right, and so my question back to you would be: If if that if the answer is yes, why don't the Bears keep them?
3: <laughs> I think the Bears are sitting there with all this cap space, number one overall pick, looking around like, "This is our opportunity. We could get creative. Maybe we like yeah, the guy. I mean, Maybe we don't. Like, but there's just so many things I mean, that they can do. What are here.
4: we gonna get? What do you, do you think somebody would be willing to pay a one for Fields? I mean, nobody, a top 10 one, no. A, a middle one, perhaps. I mean, this is in the NBA. You can't trade five twos for a guy, you know, you can't do that, right?
3: Those picks are valuable. So for example, we talked about the Colts yesterday who have the 4th overall pick. I don't think the Colts are willing just to give up 4 overall for Justin Fields. That's pretty pretty obvious. That would be insane so then you start, to do. Why? Yeah. So but I'm saying then you start going back down 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 to teams that need quarterbacks and you start asking yourself would they be willing to give up that pick because the Bears are going to be looking for a first rounder. Regardless of See, whether or not what, they're going to get it, that's what they're going to. But once you
4: take Fields though, Patrick, once you take Fields, you're committing to the six back offense. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? Yeah. Nobody's taking fields thinking we're going to run the West
3: Coast. No, no, Nobody's no, taking that, your fields. point is well taken. Your point is well I mean, taken that there's a philosophy. The team has to have a certain philosophy, so that you go all. Many. You're
4: either going yes. all in or you're not. And, and you know, I mean, would, would somebody take fields for a, 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 an if, pit, a, a mid-round pick? Sure, why not? I got nothing invested in them. I'll give it a shot. But if I got to give up a lot to get them, then that means I got to go all in on this.
3: I'm going to ask you bluntly. Can Fields turn into the passer that Hertz has turned into?
4: I would say no, but I didn't think Hertz could become as good a passer. But I will say this about Hertz: he doesn't make. They don't ask him to make any anticipatory throws. It's all high, low, half-field reads, which he has been able to do behind a very good line. Uh, and I just think, to me, with his release, Fields' release is problematic. The ball's too inconsistent coming out. And then look. Durability. I mean, he's not the same guy that Hertz is in terms of his lower body power.
3: Good one. I wonder if Steichen, who's sitting there with Indy, is looking at somebody like a Fields. Again, not giving up the fourth pick. I'm not saying that. But looking at Fields and saying, I did it with Hertz, I could do it here in Indy with Fields. I it's just I just, I think
4: he I think he's gotta say to himself, Fields is gonna be the most unbelievable worker of all time. That's what Hertz is.
3: Something you can't measure. I think what we learned throughout this season is Hertz's character is just beyond. Something that you really can't measure. There's no way to measure that type of personality and those attributes. When we come back, a guy of high character, Vinny Maliulo, joins us from behind the book there at the South Point.
2: Sumo Play.